Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for listening. And if you are tuning in again, welcome back. And lastly, if you find today's episode or any of these episodes of this podcast to be helpful or insightful, please follow and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're using. The more followers and ratings we get, the more we can help people like you. And without further ado, let's get started. In previous episodes, I have discussed how sciatica is really more so a description of your pain and where it's located and not the cause of your pain. And sciatica actually belongs to the family of radiculopathies, which is another term for an irritated nerve, specifically a pinched nerve near or close to the spine. Oftentimes this occurs at the nerve root. However, that pinching can actually occur at various different areas as the sciatic nerve is actually the longest nerve in the body because it extends from your back and travels all the way down the leg. However, it's also important to note that the sciatic nerve is a formulation of the nerve roots of L4, L5, S1, S2, and S3, which are extensions of the spinal cord and travel up the back to the thoracic spine, through the neck, and then up to the brain. And the length of this nerve also indicates that there are many areas of which the sciatic nerve and its nerve roots and the extensions can be irritated. It could be due to a herniated disc, specifically in the low back. It could be due to arthritis in the low back, tight muscles, poor mechanics, scar tissue, or any sort of other previous traumas. But in some cases, it could be an issue with something called neurodynamics. And what are neurodynamics? To put it simply, it's kind of like, you know how muscles can get tight and uncomfortable? It's kind of like that. You see, nerves are long wires that send electrical signals to and from the brain to the rest of the body. And they stretch, they compress, and then when irritated, they can also experience inflammation. And so when you move a muscle or joint, ideally, the nerve should also be moved. And if the muscle is stretched, the nerve is gonna be stretched. If the muscle is compressed, you're gonna have a shorter nerve or a shortened nerve. But when that injured or irritated nerve, the nerve would then have a hard time moving within the muscles and connective tissues. And this finally leads to the nerve being irritated and could be a contributing factor to your pain. So what are we gonna do about it? It's time to actually work on the word which is called neuromobilization. You may have heard this term in another form which is also synonymous with nerve flossing. And the concept of nerve flossing is to try and improve the stretch and fluidity of that nerve so that it can move more freely within the muscles and tissues and the connective sheaths. This actually works due to two major principles or mechanisms. The first one is that movement in the nerve actually stimulates blood flow, which can facilitate healing, possibly reduce inflammation. 
Interestingly enough, if you stretch a muscle, you also stretch the nerves and the blood vessels surrounding it. And doing so can actually reduce blood flow to that specific area. An example of that would be if you were to ever have fallen asleep with your arms over your head as you're sleeping on your back, you wake up and you're gonna experience pins and needles in your hands. And then after you shake and move those arms again, the blood flow returns and your nerves function again, and hopefully the pins and needles will go away. The second part is that it actually helps return normal conduction back to the baseline of how the nerve functions. And this is called neuromodulation. It affects not only the nerve itself, but also how the brain processes, processes the electrical signals from that specific nerve. And now I'm a huge fan of using tools that are supported by research. So I did a little bit of looking up and research of my own. And I wanted to focus on investigating the usefulness of neuromobilization or flossing in pain management. So the terms that I searched for were nerve flossing, neuromobilization, and specifically sciatica pain. Um, and it's so cool to actually see the evolution of science over the past couple of years. The sources of the articles can actually be found in the show notes. So if you are curious of those articles, you can be able to find it there. And so I went back into the research and the, the first article or the oldest article that I found to have, um, well, one of the, we'll say not the oldest article, but I wanted to go back a little bit further than the, the, the 2020s. And so I came across an article that was published in 2008, so or 14 years ago, and one article that actually assessed the uh, efficiency across multiple studies. And it concluded that there really needed to be more research before a definitive answer was to say if neuromobilization or nerve flossing worked or not. So they couldn't really come up with the conclusion whether or not it was effective. And if you asked PTs and other doctors back then at the time, they would say, well, it's worked for some people and worked for others. And most of the data was probably from anecdotal evidence. And so you're gonna be getting a lot of reports from those doctors being like, yeah, this technique is great, but then they didn't have the research to support it aside from the, uh, aside from the outcomes that they had from their specific patient. And then you fast forward another eight years and this article actually concluded that it actually may be effective where in quotes, the application for mobilization techniques of the sciatic nerve may actually promote healing of the soft tissues by stimulating the functions of the nervous system to improve nervous system adaptability and decrease sensitivity, helping to alleviate symptoms. This method may be selectively recommended for patients with low back pain accompanied by radiating pain. And so um, if you are experiencing sciatica pain, that's a category of radiating pain. Oftentimes that radiating pain is running along the sciatic nerve, which is why we're categorized. So we actually expanded the research terms on that. And so to, what's interesting is that in the span of eight years, right, it went from we don't have much data to more so in, okay, it may help because of these specific mechanisms. And it's really interesting that we have this research to be able to support that. So, you know, we learn about how it's helpful in pain management, but also we want to look at other metrics and see how this can be applied to, to everything else. In essence, uh, we're going to go into deep dive into how to do these neuromobilizations. But another research article was asking, 
how does nerve flossing actually affect uh, flexibility and muscle function. So they were comparing specifically uh, sports performance. And so in 2019, an article showed that neuromobilization, i.e. example, flossing, can actually improve flexibility while not decreasing athletic performance. So this is actually really, really great because we're looking at pain management, but also an improvement in muscle function. And so it's like, okay, now we're seeing these articles where we're saying, okay, nerve flossing does work, but how much and how often? So then we have to ask another question in regards to what about the dosage? If you're looking at all these research articles, and one of the big things about research is that we need to be consistent uh, amongst our measures so then that way we can measure everyone on an even playing field. There's a big limitation to that because when it comes to pain management, everyone's pain and how they process pain is different individually. But in order for us clinicians to approach things scientifically, we need to have some sort of consistent basis so we can really work off of that and then use our clinical judgment to provide what is going to be best for our clients. And so when it comes to dosing, we're looking at another word to describe how much and how long. And so you see nerves are actually very, very sensitive and they can get irritated so easily as a result from either doing too much or too to moving too quickly uh, and also as well as too fast. And I was taught early in my career that the minimum effective dose is way better than doing as much as you can in a short period of time, and especially for nerve pain management. I usually recommended in the past a set of 10 for one or two times a day. You didn't really need to do this a lot of times, especially when it comes to dealing with nerves. And what's really great is after researching for this episode, one study actually said that two sets of 10 was the protocol and it actually helped a lot with both pain and range of motion. And this study was actually conducted in 2021. So this was actually a pretty recent article being that this episode is produced and published in 2022. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the Sciatica Protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the Sciatica Protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cause to be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. And so the, from there, we have information being able to say, okay, nerve flossing is, is effective. And the, the big question is like, now here we have this information. The question that we do have to ask is, go, will flossing solve every nerve-related issue? Is this going to solve my pain? And in truth, it really depends, but uh, actually, sorry, is it going to solve every issue? No, unfortunately, it's not going to. Uh, in fact, this tool, this stretching of the nerve should actually be treated as just another tool in the toolbox. And especially when it comes to dealing with sciatica pain, 
the nerves themselves are irritated. And if we're looking at why flossing could be helpful, flossing can be truly helpful by the fact that it can reduce irritation and restore function. However, we still really need to get down to the root cause of the issue. Why was that sciatic nerve irritated in the first place? And so before implementing any sort of technique or tool like flossing, you have to focus on the two main principles of pain relief, which is one, you have to do more of the activities and positions that actually reduce your pain. And to just be clear, positions, activities, is not include just rest. Uh, number two is eliminating or modifying the activities that actually increase your pain because that's going to facilitate more inflammation, more uh, irritation as well. And so now that we had the opportunity to take a deep dive into what flossing is, a little bit of the science and supporting it, it's actually time to learn actually how to do this technique properly. Now, if you'd like to see a visual representation of this and other stretches, you can actually check out our YouTube channel at I Fix Your Sciatica. And actually the link to our YouTube channel will be found in the show notes as well. Um, and they're all separate words. Um, today, I'm actually gonna be talking about specifically the sciatic nerve um, in which the nerve extends all the way from your brain, goes down your brain stem, down your spine, which crosses your neck, your upper back and your lower back, and then it finally exits so it crosses your hip and goes down the back of your leg. And to add another piece to the mix, uh, there's actually two types of nerve flossing. They're categorized into sliders and tensioners. Sliders are actually great for folks whose pain is a little bit more intense and sensitive. Let's just say um, for now, we're looking at like a five out of 10 or above, or a three out of, we'll say a three out of 10 or above. Um, sliders in theory actually move the nerve within the tissues without actually putting much stretch on those tissues or on the system. And this is actually gonna be particularly useful with a very sensitive nerve. And so really the goal with sliders is that we are looking at improving movement, improving blood flow without stretching it. Because again, stretching a nerve can deprive it of blood, which in essence deprives it of oxygen, which could be an irritating factor. And so I'll talk about, uh, and, and then quickly tensioners, which I'll go over in a little bit more. Tensioners is that we're actually going to be moving the nerve but applying a little bit more of an intense stretch. And so where do we apply these stretches? Now, the stretches will actually occur at the pivot points for the nerve itself. And so again, the extensions of the sciatic nerve goes all the way from the brain down to your foot. So the first area of which we can put stretch on the nerve is going to be the neck. And right now the neck bends and straightens and also kind of goes side to side as well. So we're also looking at um, what side of the nerve we're trying to irritate. But specifically when it comes to flossing, you're gonna be able to uh, bring uh, flex your neck and also extend it. We then actually have the spine itself. Now, um, for the most part, the spine has a series of curves. So what we can say is that if the curves arch a little bit more, we can put a little bit more stretch, uh, sorry, a little less stretch because it kind of shortens everything. And then if we try to flatten the spine, that's where things start to get stretched out a little bit more. And that's something that you'll notice is that if you try to flatten out your spine, you might notice that you're a couple inches taller. And the reason being is the fact that we are, uh, the, the, um, we are creating a straighter line versus a curved line. Uh, number three, we're actually looking at the hip. 
the hip itself, if you're gonna be picking your leg up, like uh, flexing your hip, that's where we're actually gonna be putting some tension on that nerve, another pivot point, and it could also straighten. Same thing with the knee. If you were to bend your knee, it kind of puts slack in the system. You straighten your knee out, you put a little bit more of a stretch. And then we have the ankle, which also goes up and down. And depending on the ankle position, you can actually bias various different nerves that extend from the sciatic nerve, but that's going to be the um, outside the scope of today's podcast. And so when you um, bend at the neck, the nerve stretches. And then when you flatten the neck and flatten the spine, the nerve straightens as well. And really a large part of it is that you have these pivot points, which gives you the opportunity to say, okay, I can move one pivot point, I can move the other. And so with sliders, we're actually looking at moving the nerve with little to no stretch. So that means that if there's stretch in one pivot point or there's stretch in the system, we need to place slack on the system in another end or another pivot point. And so it would look something like this. And again, if you're listening, you are a visual learner, go check out our YouTube. But if you are listening to this podcast, you want to think about this way. We're talking about sliders. So you're going to be laying down on your back. You're going to pull your knee up to your chest. And from here, you can, um, you uh, even at this point, you can pull your knee up to your chest and you can compare left versus right and see which side feels a little bit better. If you have symptoms on one side, see if even just pulling that knee up to your chest has an impact on your symptoms. And from there, you're gonna keep your head down and then you're gonna kick your foot up towards the ceiling and you are going to bring the foot down and raise your head. So you're pretty much going to be kind of like kicking your leg up and down and you're gonna repeat the process about 10 repetitions two times a day. And again, little to no stretch should be experienced. So again, this is how you're going to do it. You're gonna get onto your back, you're gonna bring your affected leg up and you're gonna have your knee bent, okay? And what you're going to do is you're gonna kick your leg up keep and keep your head down and then you're gonna bend your knee and you're gonna lift your head. And what that's going to do is going to allow that nerve to move freely through the connective tissues, allowing you to move the nerve, improve blood flow, improve neuromodulation without putting too much strain on the system as compared to the nerve tensioner, which is what we're going to be addressing right now. And so the tensioner, this is gonna be more so reserved to those nagging issues where pain is more persisting and your major complaint is tightness and you're kind of like at this precipice where you're like, I don't know what the next steps are. I think we need to push a little bit harder. And we're actually gonna be looking at a pain intensity of three or less. And we can be a little bit more aggressive because we're gonna be treating mostly stiffness and dysfunction. And so the way that you're going to do, it's a very similar setup. You're gonna get onto your back. You're gonna pull your knee up to your chest. And again, you're gonna be able to see left versus right, what feels better. From there, once you have your knee up towards your chest, you're gonna kick your foot up towards the ceiling but at the same time, you're going to lift your head. So at this point, your neck is flexed, your hip is flexed, your leg is straight kicking up towards the ceiling. And once you achieve the stretch, you are going to return back to letting your head come down and have your knee bent so that your heel is to your butt. So you're gonna be on your back, your knee is still to your chest, where your knee is going to be bent. And again, the dosage for that is going to be 10 repetitions two times a day based on that research that we found that was published in 2021. And again, this is how you would do it. You would be able to pull that knee up towards your chest. You're gonna lift your head and lift your foot up towards the ceiling, feel a stretch in that area. And the ultimate test to see how this is feeling 
or if this, whether or not this is effective, is actually by comparing how you were feeling pre-stretch compared to the result of the stretch itself. You have to ask yourself the question, do you feel better, worse, or the same? And the thing is the fact that that will actually dictate your next steps because if you look at even the scientific research, they had these questions in regards to if you're feeling better, how did you feel better? You need to be able to establish your baseline, but then also establish what is the result of it. And so regardless of whatever tool that you are using, whether it be nerve flossing, exercise, or stretching, you have to be able to listen to yourself and be able to say, what is my response? Okay, because if you are in fact dealing with pain, the first goal is to get rid of it. And if the pain does get better, that actually is a sign that whatever technique that you're doing should be better for you. So if you do a nerve uh, a slider and you feel better, that's gonna be for you. If you do a nerve tension, that's gonna be for you. But if you feel no effect at all, then it doesn't really make sense for you to waste your time. And also if it actually increases your pain, that's something that you want to avoid for now. And the goal of today's episode was actually to share with you another technique that I often use with my clients after I've worked through every other issue. And so this technique could help people like you recover, um, but like many other tools in the toolbox, it can be useful if the situation calls for it. So I hope this was helpful. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.